In Genesis chapter 39, we're going to begin. And um, as we continue in our series, and, and we're looking at the life of Joseph, not just for historical advantage, just to, to learn about the story, because it's just, just reading the Bible is not sufficient enough. It's, it's learning the principles and the truths of the Bible and making application into your life. Is that right? How many of you know the Bible wasn't given to us to just give us head knowledge, to, to just uh, give us just knowledge? The Bible was given to us to transform our lives. Amen. Are y'all with me? All right. So we've been, we've been talking about the different principles in the life of Joseph and how Joseph is a story of how somebody could go from the worst point in life to the highest point in life. And so it's a great story because all of us can find ourselves somewhere between those two points. Some of us today may be at the lowest point. Some of us may be uh, in cloud nine. Amen. But, you know, we learn that even when things are going well, you got to be on guard because the Bible says, be careful when you say you stand lest you fall. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, I pray, help me to teach and preach your word today. I pray, anoint every ear. Lord, cause us to have ears to hear and a spirit to receive your word today. Lord, I thank you that your word is life-giving and that, Lord, it's going out today with a freedom and a liberty, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that it's, Lord, is finding fertile soil in the hearts of the hearers today and that, Lord, it's seeding and it's bearing fruit, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want to talk to you today about the value of the supernatural, the value of the supernatural. And so before you uh, tune me out, I want you to just listen to me. I believe the supernatural can give you a great advantage in life. I believe the supernatural power of God can open up doors for you that otherwise would never, ever be open. I believe that the supernatural power of God working in your life can get you through situations and circumstances that in the natural you would never otherwise be able to get through. How many of you believe that today? And, you know, it's like having four-wheel drive in your vehicle. You know, when you got four-wheel drive in your vehicle, you don't necessarily notice it and you don't really need it very often or you don't use it very often. But every once in a while... You might be in a situation that you'd be glad you have four-wheel drive, amen? Because it'll take you to places that two-wheel drive will never get you. And I'm telling you, the supernatural touch of God on your life will take you through things that the natural strength will never get you through, amen? It's a great advantage. The bottom line is the supernatural power of God gives you a huge advantage in life, amen? How many of you believe that? Say amen. Now, Joseph reached his destiny and purpose, I believe, because he had the supernatural power of God operating in his life. And, and I want to show you that today. And, and, and before we go to the scripture, I want to just kind of recap, give you a review. Remember, we started off in the life of Joseph whenever he had that God-inspired dream. Remember that? He had that God-inspired dream and he went to tell his brothers and his dad, man, well, I had this dream. And, and he starts telling them about we were out in the field and these sheaves bowed down to me. And it was like 11 and, and you know, and it was 12. And, and, and they quickly like said, wait a minute, we, that sounds like one sheaf for every one of us. And you're saying we were bowing down to 
you, to your sheep. And then he said, I saw the, you know, uh, 11 stars and the sun and the moon. And, and, and again, they interpreted to mean that Joseph was saying that one day he would be elevated to a place of superiority or a place of authority over his, his family. And then, you know, after that great divine inspired dream, his brothers were, were really, uh, were really angry with him and, and thought he was being so haughty and they sold him into slavery. And Je- Joseph ended up in slavery in Egypt. And while he was in slavery, God blessed him. God prospered him. And, and one day while everybody was out, uh, um, Pharaoh's wife tried to seduce him. Uh, she she uh, she accused him of trying to rape her. And you know the you know the story that landed Joseph now in prison. He's in prison now, and this is where we pick up Joseph's story in Genesis chapter thirty nine in verse twenty. It says Joseph's master took him and put him in the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for. The chief jailer, uh, the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Now, let me take a moment to make an observation here in this passage of Scripture. Notice how Joseph continues to receive the Lord's favor and blessing. Remember, we saw that while he was a slave in Egypt. We see it again right here. The Lord is continuing to bless Joseph. He gets thrown into jail, but he's just not confined like the rest of the the prisoners or the criminals. God elevates him and he becomes like the head chaplain or the chief jailer, assistant jailer over the jail or over the prison. God continues to bless him. And that reminds me of a verse in James chapter 1 that says, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. How many of you know that God knows how to make lemonade out of lemons? Whenever you go through the most difficult times of life, the incredible thing about God is that God can take the the worst of circumstances and he can bless you in the midst of the worst and the most difficult circumstances of life. Amen. And so here is Joseph. Think with me now. Joseph is falsely accused of rape, of raping uh, Pharaoh's wife, and he's thrown into prison unjustly. He's not guilty of anything, but yet he spends not just a day, not just a month, not just a a few months. He's in there for years. He's in there for at least two years in jail. And so, you know, now think about that. Think about how you would feel, how I would feel if I got thrown into jail unjustly. And this is where Joseph finds himself. But yet we have to believe that Joseph kept his heart right and God continued to bless him in the midst of the difficult times of his life. Hey, there's a great lesson right here. You keep your heart right. God will honor you. God will bless you and God will prosper you. Amen. And so now moving along, Joseph experienced God's blessing and favor while he was in jail. But while in jail, Pharaoh's cupbearer and his chief baker get thrown into jail with him. And so they're there in jail and, you know, the cupbearer, that's the one that uh, tasted the wine and the food before the king ate it. So in case it was poison, the cupbearer would die before the before the king. That's a job that we would all want, right? And so then the chief baker, he's the one that would he's the one that would make the food. He would cook up the food. 
So apparently they did something wrong. They must have served him a bad meal. Part of the, part of the cupbearer's job was to taste it, make sure it was good. You know, he probably needed some Tony Sasheries to go with that ministry. But apparently it was a bad meal and the king got mad at him, threw them both in jail. Remember that? And, uh, and the cupbearer and the baker, while they're in jail, they get this, they have this dream. They each have this dream. And so they wake up one morning and, uh, the, you know, the cupbearer's, uh, and the baker's face are downcast and, and Joseph says, Hey, why y'all sad? Why y'all got this sad face? Now here's a guy thrown in jail, falsely accused, and he's worrying about other people. I'm telling you, that's victory over your circumstances right there. And so he says, why y'all sad? And he said, oh, man, we had some dreams, you know. And so the cupbearer begins to tell him, I had this dream of this vine and, 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 and it had three branches and there were some clusters of grapes and, and the grapes were squeezed and the juice went into this cup and the cup was handed to the king. And I don't know what it means. And, and, so, and so Joseph just hears this dream. And so he says, OK. And so then the, the baker says, listen, I had a dream, too. And uh, there were three baskets on my head and the last basket on top, it had different assortments of bread and pastries and stuff. And some birds came and ate that bread right out of that basket. And so Joseph said, hmm, I think I know what those dreams mean. And so they were on their on the edge of their, of their seat and they said, tell me, please. And so Joseph says, well, you know, to the to the cupbearer, he said, you know, I believe what that means in three days, you're going to be elevated back into the position that you were in. And then he turns to the to the uh, to the uh, baker and he says, and so the baker's like, man, that's great news. Tell me my dream. And he said, well, I think the birds means that you're going to lose your head. You're going to that the the king is going to hang you. I, I think his face probably fell at that point. So three days later, the interpretation comes to pass in Genesis 14, verse 20. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast of all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and he, and, and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. As you read the story, Joe, after Joseph gave the cupbearer the interpretation, he said, now listen, when you get out of here, don't forget about old Joseph, okay? Tell the king how God used me to tell you about what was going to happen. So what did the, what did the cupbearer do? He forgot about Joseph. So here you go. Everywhere you see Joseph, he's kicked. Everywhere you go, he's kicked. Now, if anybody had a reason to have a sour face, a downcast spirit, a bad attitude, it was Joseph. But is that the attitude Joseph had? That's not the attitude. There's a message right here. Amen. Got to watch your attitude. So Joseph keeps his attitude right and God continues to prosper him. He, the cupbearer forgets about him. He gets out of jail. So two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. In fact, he had two dreams. He had a dream that there was seven fat cows and seven skinny cows and, and the, and the skinny cows ate the fat cows and, and then he, he had, uh, uh, the skinny cows ate the fat cows and then there were seven skinny heads of grain and they ate the, 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 the fat heads of grain. And so Pharaoh was so shaken by this dream 
That he, he called for every magician or anybody that could possibly give him an interpretation. He said, search Egypt and give me everybody and anybody that can give me an interpretation. And they came back. Nobody had an interpretation. And the cupbearer says, you know, there's a Hebrew. There's a Hebrew man over there in that jail. And he can interpret dreams. He interpreted my dream and he also in, interpreted the baker that's no longer here. And he told us, I apply it. And so Pharaoh says, would you get me that man? And so he calls Joseph in his presence. And the um, and Pharaoh tells him the dream. And Joseph says, I know what that dream is about. And so he begins to explain the dream. And he begins to tell him what it's all about. And he tells him, I'll tell you what that dream means. You're going to have seven years of, of, of plenty, of abundance, and you're going to have seven years of famine. And the reason why it's two is because it's going to be happening quickly. And he says, I'll tell you what you should do, king. You should take a fifth of your grain and you should store it up while you have the seven years of plenty. And whenever you get to the seven years of famine, you're going to have enough grain to feed everybody. And so the king thought about that for a moment. And he said, you know, and he said this. He said, you should get you a man to be in charge of, of just getting all that grain into the granaries. Somebody wise, somebody that knows what they're doing. And so the king said, well, you could see that what's happening. He said, I think you're the man. You have just been promoted to the second in command. Amen. So now question, how did Joseph get released from prison and get promoted yet again? Was it his natural ability that got him out of prison or was it supernatural ability? The Bible is clear. It was supernatural ability. It was God's supernatural ability that it allowed him to interpret those dreams. Notice what it says. Notice who Joseph credits for that ability to interpret those dreams. In Genesis 40, verse 7, it says, He asked Pharaoh's official who were with him in, in, in the confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, we have, a, we have had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? See, Joseph understood something. It was the supernatural ability that God gave him that gave him the ability to do what he just did. And so then later he tells Pharaoh in Genesis 41 and verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. So Joseph could have stuck his chest out. So, yeah, I have that ability. I can do that. And he could have took all the glory for himself. But that's not what he did. He wouldn't take it for a minute. He tells Pharaoh in verse 16, Joseph then answered Pharaoh and said, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. See what he realized? It's not in him. It was some ability that was beyond the natural. It was supernatural ability. Joseph understood where his ability came from. His ability came from the Spirit of God. Wouldn't it be good for all the musicians and for all the successful people across the globe 
Whenever they get an award, whenever you see it sometimes and they, they raise the trophy or they get that, you know, the best male vocalist or whatever it is, that they would say, thank God for his ability. That's what Joseph did. He gave God credit for the ability. It was the supernatural power and working of the gifts of God that caused him to interpret dreams and be released from that jail. You see, it was the supernatural touch of God that gave him the ability to reach his divine purpose and destiny for his life. And you know what I believe? It's the supernatural working of God in your life and my life that will get us out of tight places in life and will also cause us to reach God's purpose and destiny in our life. Amen? Would you agree with that? So how does the supernatural power of God give you an advantage in life? How does that work? Well, first of all, I believe God's supernatural power gives you strength beyond yourself. Right? This is what Psalm 68, 35 says. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Can you say amen? amen. Believers have special power and strength that non-believers don't have. There's a grace that is on a believer that the non-believer does not have operating in his life. It's called supernatural power. It's called supernatural strength. Amen? Say, why do I need to be a Christian? Well, if you want supernatural strength, you need to be a Christian. Amen? If you want to have, if you want to have strength beyond your ability, how was David able to defeat the giant Goliath? How was he able to do that? The way he was able to do it is through the supernatural power and strength of God. He said, you come with, to me with, with sword and spirit. I come to you. How? In the name of who? The Lord. In the name of the Lord. His strength was in God. The apostle Paul. How did he get through being stoned three times, shipwrecked, beaten with rods? He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was cold. He was burdened for all the churches. He spent nights in the sea floating. Didn't know if he was going to get eaten up by, by jaws or what. How did he make it through all that? Through the supernatural power and strength of God. It's later on that Paul says in Philippians, in the book of Philippians, verse chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things. How? Through his strength. Through his strength. See, the apostle Paul learned something. That the most difficult times of life, the most troubling, the hardest times of life, the way that you make it through there, the way you get through the prison, falsely accused, unjustly treated, the way you get get through rejection, the way you get through the temptations of life is through the supernatural power of the Spirit of God. That's how you get through it. Amen. So how do we get through our distresses and hardships of life? How are we going to get through our difficult times of life? Through the power of God. Through the strength of God. God's supernatural power gives you strength beyond yourself. And I don't know if you watched the news yesterday or last night. But there was a very notable player. NFL player. Took his life right there at the Chiefs. Feel. Arrowhead Stadium. Say, how can that happen? It can happen easily. There's an enemy out there. There's, there's a, there's a battle going on. Amen. Here's a guy who was, he was a starter. He's playing and, and everything just came crashing down. 
And he took his girlfriend's life, took his own life, left a, an infant as an orphan. How do you get through the difficult times of life? Through the supernatural power. Listen, you know, sometimes words and I feel inadequate to explain and to, and to just really wrap my mind and my brain and, and, and to explain it like I should and I could and I want to. But all I can tell you is whenever that you're a believer and you know how to turn to God, God will give you an amazing amount of strength to get you through things that otherwise you could never, ever, ever get through. Amen. Amen. Gives you strength beyond yourself. The psalmist said in Psalm 18, 29, in your strength, I can crush an army. And my God, with my God, I can scale a wall. Amen. Amen. I love that. Now, so God's supernatural power, number two, gives you character beyond your normal sinful nature. Is that important? Think it is. Romans chapter 7 and verse 24 and 25 says, oh, this is Paul, the apostle Paul. The apostle that wrote most of the New Testament says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, so the supernatural power of God, Paul says, gives me the ability to overcome a life dominated by sin. And allow you to enjoy a life dominated by the fruit of the spirit. You know, listen, there's nobody that understands the human nature that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing can, can, you know, point our finger at, at the, what happened yesterday with this football player. I'd say, I can't believe that. If you've been living on this globe and you understand, you could say, I understand. Amen. Are y'all with me? And so Paul says, how do you get free from this? There's something on the inside. He said, man, I'm trying to do what's right. But some for some reason, I'm not doing what I know is right. And I'm doing what I know I'm not supposed to. It's like, man, I, you know, I, I can't understand it. This evil thing is working in me. How am I going to get free from it? And then he answers his own question and said, through Jesus Christ, through the power of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ, I can get through it. Amen. And so listen, to enjoy a life dominated by the fruit of the spirit instead of the sinful nature, you need the power of God. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do you love the unlovable? How do you, how do you love that person at work that just irritates you to no end? How do you do that? How do you love, listen, how do you love some family members, huh? They asking the same question about us, all right? But how do you do that? I tell you how you do it through the supernatural power of God. That's how you do it. Amen. How do you live a joyful life? A peaceful life. I mean, with everything going on in this world, I mean, there's craziness everywhere. How do you live a life of joy and peace? I tell you how you do it. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy and peace. Amen. It's through the power of God. Do you see how important it is to have the supernatural working in your life? Amen. Number three, God's supernatural power empowers you for ministry. 
The supernatural empowers you to evangelize. How do you share Christ? How do you become for somebody that that uh, is a stumbling block to the gospel to somebody that 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 is a stepping stone for the gospel? How does that happen? It happens through the power of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Acts one eight says this: But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The supernatural power of God gives you the ability to be bold and to speak up for Jesus. Hey, see if you can connect and relate with this. Before I was a believer, I mean, I was in the mix with all the heathen. Like Paul said, I was chief of sinners. But something happened after I became a Christian. Something happened to me. It wasn't, it wasn't because somebody, you know, twisted my arm behind my back and said, you're going to be different or else you're going to lose your arm. Something happened on the inside that caused me to be different on the outside. And I began to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me here this morning? How does that happen? Through the power of God working in your life. And all of a sudden you find yourself standing up, speaking up and sharing Christ with people. Amen. And so, you know, so the God's power gives you strength not only to evangelize, but it also supernaturally empowers you to minister to others, to do ministry. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 says. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Now, you know, I think that we don't teach enough on the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. But, you know, it's impossible for you to read your Bible and not see the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament, right? It's impossible. And Paul lists nine supernatural giftings of the Spirit here. He gives us the three revelation gifts, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. He gives us the three power gifts, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, three vocal gifts, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. These are gifts of the Spirit. Now, even people in church, when sometimes the gifts of the Spirit are operating, they criticize them. They come against them. They, they, they don't embrace them. Why? It's because they're looking at it through the natural eyes instead of through the spiritual eyes. Amen? But listen, this is a blessing to the church to do ministry. Listen, whenever you're sick in your body and somebody lays their hands on you and you get healed, like my brother Tony over there, who's about to lose his leg, they were about to amputate it. He came up here at church, got prayed for, and they said, well, you could keep your leg. How many of you think that Tony believes that the gifts of the Spirit are a blessing? Yes, amen. Yes, amen. 
It's part of the flow of the Spirit. But I believe that, listen, sometimes because it's not, it's not, you can't put, wrap your natural brain around it and explain everything, that sometimes we stiff arm it, sometimes we're uncomfortable with it. But listen, church of God, the gifts of God are given to us by God for us to do ministry in the body and in the world today. Amen? And so listen, these gifts are given to believers in the church to do ministry in the church and outside the church. So kind of encourage you to embrace the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Listen what 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in how many persons? In all persons, but to how many? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. Now listen, I could stay right here and talk about that for a little while. But listen, I want to make note to the fact that it's God who releases the gifts to the people of God. Amen. And he says, by the way, it's the manifestation of the spirit of God that brings the gifts of the spirit. And by the way, to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit to all. Hey, that's encouraging, isn't it? So you mean you got to, you know, do you have to get ordained to have the gifts of the spirit? No, a hundred times. No, no, you don't have to be ordained to be filled with the spirit and Flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You gotta be a Christian. How many of you are Christians today? Amen. But see, I think that we need to wrap our, our heart around this. Why do we need the supernatural power of God in our life? Well, listen, when, when the body of Christ is hurting, God wants to minister to the body and he ministers to the body through the body. He said, each one, listen, he gave us hands and feet and it's all part of the body and it, and the body fits together and works together and ministers to each other. And, you know, I mean, it's good to have a finger to scratch with. Amen. I wouldn't want to be fingerless and, you know, and you know what I'm saying? Each part is vital and God has gifted the body with his gifts so the body can be healthy and be strong and be vibrant and he can minister to people in the world. So the, the, why we need the supernatural power of God? Number one, because it gives you strength beyond yourself. How many of you need strength beyond yourself sometimes? How many of you been there already? You need strength beyond yourself. But it also, supernatural power of God gives you character beyond your normal sinful nature. How many of you say, man, I need that. I need that, man. I need that. I, I need that. Your wife does. Your wife thinks you need it. Your, your children think, amen. And then number three, God's supernatural spirit and power empowers you to do ministry. How many of you want to do ministry? Want to be a witness for Jesus? See, it's the supernatural power of God. So how do we receive more of the supernatural power of God in our life? Number one, we need to first realize its availability. We need to first embrace and realize its availability. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Listen, prior to Jesus dying on the cross, 
The temple, the building, was the place that God's presence dwelt. The Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, the Bible tells us that the veil was rent. Only the priests once a year could go in there and make atonement and they tied a cord to his ankle in case he went in there and not properly cleansed and he would die in the presence of God. They would have to pull him out because if they went in to get him, they would die too. But when Jesus died, the veil was rent. And that's saying, listen, you don't have to be a priest to go. You don't have to be part of the Levitical priesthood to go in the Holy of Holies. God has made us all priests. Amen. He's made us all to have the ability to be in the presence of God. And by the way, he doesn't live in stained glass buildings anymore. He lives in people. Amen. You are the temple. So listen, think about that for a moment. I'm a temple. You are the temple. God don't want to dwell in this building. He wants to dwell in your heart. He wants to dwell in your life. He wants to live big in you. Amen? So we need to accept that. We need to realize its availability, that it's not somewhere out there, some foreign place. Listen, whenever you said yes to Jesus, he he put his spirit in you. And now you are a house of his spirit. Amen? Isn't that great? Isn't that exciting? See, that's why I say, listen, Believers have an advantage in life over non-believers. They should, shouldn't they? The Bible says that this resurrecting power, the same spirit that raised Lazarus out of the grave is the same spirit that lives in you and I. So that's encouraging. If he can bring somebody dead to life, he can bring somebody weak to strength. Amen. He can bring somebody from discouragement to encouragement. Amen. He can take somebody that feels like they're defeated to make them feel victorious. Amen. That's the power of the spirit of God. And it lives in hearts and lives in people. And it lives in you if you're a believer today. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, there's a great benefit of preaching. You get to get blessed with it as it goes out. Amen. I'm feeling encouraged today, aren't you? So listen, how do you receive more of the supernatural of God? First, you got to, in your brain, you got to accept it. Say, well, I don't know about all this. Listen, forget it. Don't let the enemy. You know, when Jesus told, told the disciples, he said, listen, ask, seek, and knock, and you shall re- ask, and you shall receive, seek, and you shall, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it will be open. Do you remember that? And, and then he's explaining the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, don't be afraid. If you ask for the Spirit, God won't give you a snake. To trick you? He's trying to say, don't be afraid of the Spirit of God. I know you can't, you can't understand it all with your natural faculty. But you don't, you don't use your natural faculty when you're dealing with supernatural things. You gotta deal with it with your spiritual faculty. Amen? Come on. This is good preaching right here. Amen. Not because it's me saying, but it is good. Amen. I'm getting blessed by it as well, right? Come on, y'all with me out there? Come on, believers. Come on, church of God. Come on, saints of God. Amen. So first, realize its availability. Number two, hunger for more of the supernatural power of God. 
We need to hunger for more. You know, sometimes we just stop off at first base. We say, oh, man, I'm a temple. I gave my life. I'm a temple. Man, I got the spirit of me. Yeah, but the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Filled means ongoing. It means day by day. How many of you know we got cracks in our vessels and we get filled with the spirit and it leaks out of us? Come on, are y'all with me? Say amen right there. Just because I was flowing in a great empowerment, you know, yesterday doesn't mean it's going to be on me today. Amen. You know, Ichabod, the the glory has departed. Come on, are y'all with me? And so we can't quit desiring to be filled with the Spirit. And so I say, if you want more of the supernatural power of God working in your life, go to the filling station more often. Amen. Go to the filling station. I did a wedding last night in Vermilionville, and I was on my way home. And my, my truck lets me know that I'm about to run out of gas. Praise be the Lord. Amen. And so the light came on and said, hey, dummy, go put some gas, you know. So, hey, so, I, you know, I pulled over. And, you know, it took me a while to get that tank filled up because it was bone dry. I mean, I, that thing kept flipping. It's like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to need two credit cards to pay for that bill because it was bone dry. But, you know, sometimes we let our spiritual life go to empty to the point where we're sputtering along. We're putting along spiritually. We're not living in victory. We're not living a victorious life. Whenever we have the supernatural power of God made available to us. Brothers and sisters, I say, come on, let's go to the filling station more often. Let's spend time in prayer. Let's spend time in the word because that's where we're going to get filled with the spirit of God to the point where we're not living defeated. We're living victorious. Amen. We're not living discouraged. We're living in the joy of the Lord. Amen. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Y'all receive this today. Amen. And number three, if you want to walk in, operate, flow in the Spirit of God, you need to receive the gift of salvation. You know, listen, you know, there's two kinds of people in here today. Well, there's probably more than that, but I'm going to ball it down to two. They're believers and they're non-believers. The Bible says whenever you become a believer, you become a new creation Old things have passed away. All things become new. One being that now instead of being a house for evil spirits, you become a house for the good spirit, the spirit of the living God. Amen. The Bible says that you're dead spiritually. You absent of God's spirit until you give your life to Christ. It's, it's so important that you receive the gift of salvation. That's where it all starts. It's kind of like that picture I, t- I was talking about earlier. It's like the veil is still, is still sewed up for some. They want the presence of God. They want the supernatural in their life, but they're not experiencing it. Why? Because they've never received the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, and they haven't been given access into the Holy of Holies. So you got to receive the gift of salvation. Jesus said it like this. In John chapter 3, in, in a reply to Nicodemus's question, 
How can you how can you enter into the kingdom of God? He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. You can't see it. You can't hold on to it. You can't really grasp and wrap your natural brain around salvation. Say, prove it to me. Can't do it. It's got to be received by faith. By faith are you saved, the Bible says. You got to step out whenever you don't know what you're going to land on, trusting that you're going to land on something when you step out. Amen. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And each one of us needs that born again experience, that supernatural experience. Amen. And so as we get ready to go today, there's some in this room, maybe that you've been coming to church but you've never really stepped over. I tell you, the enemy would be happy with you just going to church as long as you don't step over the line and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. You know, he'll be okay with you just going as long as you don't get it. Because he knows if you get it, he's done. Amen? He just lost another one. Amen? So would you stand with me and let's close in prayer this morning. The supernatural, the supernatural advantage of life comes to those that are spirit filled. Amen. Those that are empowered with the supernatural touch of God on their life. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Let's just just think about what's all been said today. Think about the fact that if you're a believer, you are the temple. Think about that. Just close your eyes. Just make a prayer closet right where you are. Just think about that right now. Just think about the Spirit of God, the touch of God, the hand of God, the grace of God coming into your life right now. Take a moment just to receive the touch of God on your life. Release your burdens. Release your cares. Release your concerns. Come on. Some of you, you, you've been a while since you've been to the filling station. Come on, take a moment right now while you're here in church. And gets filled up with the Spirit of God. Come on, let Him. He's ready to fill you. He says, come on, be filled with the Spirit. Today's a new day. The mercy of God is new every morning. Come on, let Him fill you right now. Let Him touch you right now. Come on, let Him just ignore, Let Him just put His anointing on you in a greater way right now. Father, thank you that there's a release of your Spirit, a release of your anointing, a release of your touch right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Now, some of you here today, you might be, you might be the one that I was talking to that, you know, you've been coming to church, but you've never really crossed over the line. And, and you've been, you know, been, been holding back, been struggling with, with surrendering your will. But this morning, the Spirit of God is pricking your heart and the Spirit of God is wooing you and saying, this is the day. This is the time. Come on. You need my power. You need my spirit. If that's you today and you say, Todd, I want to be a Christian today. I want to surrender my life. If that's you, just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to say a special prayer for you because this is your day. 
And listen, all of you that raise your hand, I want you to raise both of your hands right now in surrender and yielding to God and say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Let's all say it together. Saints, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I realize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. And today... I accept that gift. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for every sin. Cleanse my life. Cleanse my heart. And fill me with your spirit. Lord Jesus, I want to live the Christian life. Thank you, Father, for helping me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Before y'all go, let's take a moment. How many of you feel like you could use more of the Spirit of God in your life right now? Come on, how many of you feel that? Come on, I want you to just, those of you that have the liberty, I want you to raise your hands towards heaven right now. Come on, this is a sign of surrender. This is a sign of yielding. This is saying, I'm going to the filling station. I'm going to the filling station. Now listen, don't just raise your hand in doubt and, and unbelief. Raise your hands in faith and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today. Come on, say it. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I want to be spirit-filled today. Come on, tell him that. Lord, I don't want to be empty. I want to be full, Lord. I want your power working in my life. Come on, just begin to worship him right there. Lord, fill me. I don't want to be a dry Christian. I don't want to be a Lord of a defeated Christian. I want to be a victorious Christian. I want to live in the power and the presence of the living God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, anointing of God. Lord, we worship you today. We bless you today. We exalt you today. Come on, some of you are getting power over your circumstances right now. Come on, some of you are getting out of that place of defeat. And you're coming into victory today in the name of Jesus. I declare it over this body. I speak it over this body. The power and spirit and anointing of God being released in every heart and every life. I bind up every lying devil. I bind up every demon spirit. I take authority over the principalities that would try to take people down. In the name of Jesus, I declare the resurrecting power of Jesus being released right now over this congregation in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus. I pray and everybody that agreed shouted and said, amen. Come on, give God a good, a good thank him for his power. Thank him for his presence. Thank him for his filling today. Yes, Lord. How many of you glad to be saved? How many of you glad to be a temple today? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You're a carrier of the presence of God. Now let's go carry it out to the world. Amen? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.